All right, welcome back to Vernacular Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Sally. And today we're continuing our series on the art of being human, this time talking about what reading has to do with being human. Yeah, we've talked about reading before. We've actually had a book club going on Vernacular um, a couple years ago. That was fun. We should do another book club. Yeah, that was really fun. So we do love reading, but we've never really talked about why reading is beneficial and why it can help us live more flourishing lives. Yeah, well, let's first start, before we dig into all of that, let's first start by defining our terms or our term. What do we mean by reading? So I think we are talking about reading books, reading short stories, reading anything that counts as long-form journalism or literature. So something longer than bite size, something that is probably going to take you a little bit longer than one sitting or maybe one extensive sitting to get through. Right. So not your news feed. Right. So not not a BuzzFeed article, not zombie scrolling through Facebook status updates, but we're talking about reading longer things. (laughs) Yeah. And it could be in a variety of genres. Definitely. Yeah. Fiction, nonfiction. Just something that requires a little bit more engagement of your brain. Right. Okay. Because that's our first point. (laughs) Yes. That reading can help you strengthen your brain power and to continue learning. Yeah. It helps you evaluate and synthesize information, I think, in a way that television doesn't. And I'm not saying television is bad. This isn't Zach the Luddite coming in here and saying we shouldn't watch any television. I enjoy television. I enjoy good television. We've talked about Breaking Bad on this show before. The Crown. The greatest TV show ever made. The Crown is also very good. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't do those things. I think TV and uh, film media have good ways of conveying information and weaving together narratives and stories and doing so in a different way from reading. Right. But I also think books tell a story and, and I'll just say books as a proxy for like, you know, books and long form fiction, and nonfiction, whatever. Poems. But books have a way of helping you engage with the material in a more measured, more controlled, more paste, if I can use that word, more paste method. And I think that alone offers some cognitive benefits as compared to watching a TV show. Right. And that's evidenced even just by the fact that it takes longer to read something than it does to watch a show usually. Right. And because it takes longer, that means there's more time built in for reflection and engagement. So I'm reading a novel right now, for example, and I've been reading this novel for well over a week. And If the novel were to be turned into a film or a film series, I could watch all of that in much shorter than a week. But right now I'm halfway through the novel. It's been a week. And as it stands, I've had lots of time to digest every stage of the novel as I've read a chapter or two at a time and then, you know, where where I could and then gone back to doing something. It's sort of percolated in my mind a little bit. And I've been able to to digest the material a little bit more thoroughly, I think, than I would if it was turned into a two-hour film. Yeah, and I think with reading, it's a little bit harder to to get to the point of experiencing a story in the way that you do on with a television show because you don't have all as many senses engaged as you do when you're watching a show. Definitely, yeah. And it just takes a little bit more concentration to put yourself into the, the world that the author is creating. Right. The author tries to engage your senses, like a good author is going to talk about smells and sights and all those kinds of things. But it takes... It just takes a little bit more work. And I think the difference is that it's not it's not engaging your senses directly, but it's engaging and I'm sure there's a, a I'm sure there's a word for this that psychologists use, but the, the what I came up with is basically your mind's eye. You know, it the a good author trains you to be able to conjure up these ideas, these sounds, these smells, these in your sights. Imagination. In, entirely in your imagination, yeah. just because you're reading the words on a text. Right. Of course, maybe illustrated books are a slight exception to this. There, there are some illustrations there for you, but most most books that are written for adults are not illustrated. And so 
uh, the, a, an author tries to get you to conjure up these things in your mind's eye. Whereas in a film, you're going to be presented with visual images. You're going to be presented with auditory stimuli. And it does require a little bit less creativity in that sense because so much of the information is there Let's for get you. It to you. And I think that's why people often will say, I read the book before I saw the movie and I liked the book way better. It's because I think uh, all of their their creative faculties are engaged in this process of creating and participating in the story in a way that, that they're just not to the same extent in a film or a TV show. Right. So we said it takes a little bit more work. And I think that's that's just one reason why it does kind of stimulate in our, our brain in a different way is that it's there's more effort required. Right. Well, for me, I think that's why it's easier to fall asleep while you're reading. Maybe some people have an easier time falling asleep while watching a TV show, but I find it easier to stay awake watching a TV show because yes. I'm just on receive mode. It doesn't yeah. require active participation for me. Whereas when I'm reading a book, I have to do something. And even physiologically, I have to move my words across the screen and up and yeah. down the screen. What I say? Your words. <laughs> <laughs> move my eyes uh, across the page and then up and down the page. So there, there is, you know, even though very small, there is some level of physical effort involved. But then there's also all of the effort involved cognitively to to go along with what the author is trying to get me to understand. Uh, whereas on a TV, you know, I'm watching a football game, watching a TV show, whatever, I'm just sitting there and I'm just receiving. Right. It's not, that's not a bad thing necessarily, but it does require a lot less effort. And so for me, it's easier to stay awake doing that because I can just be on receive mode. Whereas if I'm reading, I have to be participating actively and it's hard to do that when I'm really tired. So I'll just, I'll just sort of drift off. Right. Especially if you're laying down or sitting on a comfortable sofa. Right. Exactly. <laughs> So that's the first one. It engages your brain in really healthy, good, productive, uh, beneficial ways. What's number two? So number two is that reading grows not only your brain power, but your empathy. And it does that by exposing you to a bunch of different people and perspectives, or at least it can. So you could just read kind of within your own philosophical framework and never right. really challenge yourself. Or you could just read books or short stories all about people who are like you. Right. Confirming but, your points of view. Right. But if you are reading widely, then you're going to be exposed to a lot of different perspectives and people who are different than you. And I think that's going to help you be more empathetic. Right. And I think the counter here is that reading is not unique in this way because digital media can also help us generate empathy. And I think that's true to an extent. So think of, for example, any documentary that you've ever seen that exposes you to points of view you haven't seen or, or some movie that tells the story of a character whose narrative you wouldn't normally be familiar with. I think you can definitely gain empathy through those things. But I think the key difference here, and I would suggest that the past 10 years of our digital lives confirm or at least corroborate this hypothesis, that I think the key is reading builds in that time that you need to digest ideas and thoughts fully. And I said that I think the last 10 years of our digital lives corroborates this because all of us know how toxic things like Twitter and Facebook have been to our civic discourse. We we look for outrage. We'd like to be outraged and we spend... We forget about being charitable. Yeah, and, well, yeah, we forget about for being charitable and we also construct these filter filtering bubbles around our lives so that we only encounter ideas that we agree with or conversely are outraged by. There's, there's not a tendency to seek the mean. There's a tendency to seek the polls and seek outrage and be extreme. Whereas reading, I think, is is much different because it doesn't it doesn't allow for the sort of reflexive outrage that a 140 or 280 character tweet yeah, does. Yeah, like a quick reaction. You right. have to give it more time. Exactly. It requires you to sit with the information at least a little bit longer and digest it 
and then engaged, hopefully in a more constructive manner. Yeah, that's a really good point. And probably no one will question why empathy is important, but I think it's worth pointing out that it's probably a virtue that we most lack these I th- days. I think so. Yeah. I think ne- if empathy and charity together. Right. I mean, I think sort of love is the best catch all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think we, we lack love most of all. Could we say empathy is a subset of love? Yeah, sure. So maybe empathy is, is one of the subsets of love that we most lack today. But I think across our society, uh, on you know, on both ends of the political spectrum and everywhere between, there is a complete inability for us to step into the shoes of another person and evaluate perspectives from where they sit or stand. And so when we do that, that makes us a better human being, and it makes us a better neighbor, and it makes us a better family member, and all of those different relationships that you have, it's only going to improve those relationships, and reading can help do that. Right. So that's number two. It builds and improves our empathy. And number three, I think, is related to that, and that is that it exposes us to stories, which is, per Emily Esfahani-Smith, a prior guest on our podcast and the author of one of our book club books, The Power of Meaning, um, according to Emily, this is one of the ways that we make sense of our lives is through stories and storytelling. And stories meaning fictional and non-fictional. Absolutely, yeah. And, and um you know, I, I think of uh, any of the great fiction books, uh, The Brothers Karamazov, I think is maybe the best example of a good fiction story that helps us find meaning in our lives. But uh, in Emily Esfani Smith's book, I remember her telling multiple n- true stories of people and their backgrounds and lives. I remember one was of a, a convict who was in prison oh, and ended yeah. up completely reforming his life in prison. and Starting then, gyms? Yep, starting gyms in prison and then dedicating his life to charitable causes after prison so things like that and those nonfiction stories i think can also help us identify with our fellow neighbors so again building empathy repeating uh, returning to point number two but also finding meaning in our own lives through those stories and the way that our fellow human beings have found meaning in their own lives yeah I, i read a memoir earlier this year that i'm trying to remember what the title was oh it was the glass castle Oh, yeah. And that was just an incredible, incredible story. I that, remember when you read that. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that she told it in the form of a story made it more relatable to me and more interesting to me because I just don't like reading nonfiction as much. Right. But reading her life in the form of a story. As a novel almost. Yeah. It was just, it was incredible and it was so eye-opening and it just, yeah, it just kind of opened up this whole sector of society of poverty that I wasn't fully aware of before. Yeah, I think that's great. So stories, it, it exposes us to stories and helps us better understand our lives through stories. So I think that's point number three. Yeah, and then point number four is that reading is enjoyable. So it actually makes our lives better and makes us live a truly human life by making filling our lives with joy. Right. It's not rocket science here. It's reading is good because it's fun. Yeah, and it doesn't even mean that all of the stories are happy or all the stories have happy endings. Right, yeah, maybe I shouldn't say fun. I mean, I think joy is a better word. Reading can bring us joy. It doesn't always, it's not always fun. We can read a sad, moving story. We wouldn't describe that as fun. Right. One of the things I love about books is just, you can find any of them in anything in which you're currently interested. You know me from being married to me. I change my interests very frequently. And so one month I could be very interested in the career arc of Tiger Woods and I'll pick up his biography and do that. Uh, The next month I might be really interested in how the Cubs built their 2016 World Series team. And so I'll pick up a book about that and read that. The next month I might be interested in reading a good 
mystery novel about a LA cop, you know, one of the yeah. Michael Connelly Bosch novels that I'm reading. Or a science fiction book about the multiverse. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, so uh, I guess reading widely is very easy to do. It's very it's very easy to find books to suit your interest much more, much easier than it is to find movies and television shows to meet, to uh, meet your interest because they're just much more limited. Yeah. And I find it easier to find books that I'm interested in by reading lists of books that people have already put together. That is one way that helps me find different books to read. Cause I think otherwise it can be kind of daunting when you go to a bookstore or a library and you just don't know where to start. Right. But having a book list of beloved books by this one blogger or this author's favorite books or what this person who I respect has read recently or asking for recommendations. Those are all great ideas to find different books that are in your interest. And I was going to say also on the point of bringing you joy that I think there's really studies out there that show that reading is good for your mental health. Yes, there definitely are. Um, when we were when we were prepping for this podcast, we found several of them. It's very easy if you just do a Google search for cognitive benefits of reading. Very easy to find multiple studies that have backed this up. There's a verified empirical improvement in your mental and emotional health if you spend time consistently reading. Yeah. And I think I've even seen a study, I think it was on Verily last year, that reading fiction in particular can be good for your mental health. Definitely. I think because it gets you out of your own situation right. Right. and into someone else's world. And again, that whole aspect of empathy and charity. Right. Yeah, definitely. So let me ask you this, Sally. This is a controversial topic to some people it used to be one that i considered controversial do you think it is bad if someone reads exclusively fiction oh interesting i i think that there's so much to be gained from reading fiction the just the what an author can do in a fictional setting is almost limitless but i think the only downside is that it doesn't help you better understand the exact world in which you're living. And so as long as you're staying in touch with the world that you're living in, either, you know, maybe through the news or something like that, and know, you know what's going on in the world, right. then maybe reading exclusively fiction is fine. Yeah, I, I, I tend to think so. I, so if you had talked to me 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago, like around the time we got married, yeah. I might have said, no, people need to be involved in the world. And, yeah you know, civic participants, et cetera. Yeah. I have changed my mind on that. And I think there's nothing wrong at all with someone who reads exclusively fiction. Yeah. So I used to be an anti-fiction snob and now I am a pro-fiction booster. Uh, I personally also enjoy reading nonfiction, but if I didn't enjoy reading nonfiction, I wouldn't read it. I think yeah. there's no, you know, don't read what you don't enjoy. It doesn't make yeah. sense to me. Yeah. But on the other hand, I think fiction, and we, we talked about this a little bit with the, when we talked about the crown episode and that episode, that, uh, that crown episode where, Churchill has his picture painted, right? Yeah. Art can convey true things more efficiently sometimes than without being real, right? Than Wasn't like that the than didactic nonfiction. Yeah. yeah. So it's not it's not real. It's not factual. Maybe is a better word, but it is more true than what the facts are. It, it sounds counterintuitive. You have to watch this episode. I think it's episode eight of season one of The Crown. Anyway, the point is, fiction can illustrate truths for us in much more much more creative perhaps much more lucid ways than nonfiction books can. I think there's nothing wrong with reading fiction exclusively. So if, you, if, that's, if that's where you are, if that's where you find yourself enjoying what you read, do it. And the other thing I would say is if that's the only way you're going to get reading, just read nonfiction. Yeah. Or, yeah read fiction. Don't yeah. feel guilty by the fact that you, don't, you, you can't get into a nonfiction book. Just, just pick up fiction and read it and enjoy right. it. Right. And I think there's a reason why there's so many different types of fiction too. There's historical fiction. So you could learn more about history through a fictional story right. or science fiction yeah. or religious fiction. And all of those things can help you learn more about the greater 
you know, topic that it's also about. Yeah. It it can help you learn. They can help you learn more about the greater underlying truths. Yeah. Okay. Here's another controversial question for you. Does listening to an audio book count as reading a book? So I think that yes, it counts as reading a book. I think that it requires concentration in a different way than reading like reading it actually not listening to it so if you're listening to a book I think you do have to really concentrate because it would be really easy for me I think if I was doing an audiobook to just kind of tune it out but sometimes you're reading I do the same thing if I'm too tired or I'm not concentrating well enough then I'm not actually I'm not actually partaking of the story and I'm not actually processing the information so I don't think that in listening to an audiobook is quote unquote easier and so therefore doesn't count as reading I think that it just engages your brain in a different way because you're listening to things instead of perceiving them with your eyes I disagree with you okay (laughs) this is my hot take my anti-audiobook hot take (laughs) not really I'm not anti-audiobook but I I it does um I do think that when someone says I've been reading a book lately about this and I say oh you know, tell me more about that. And, and then they say, yeah, I've been listening to it on my commute. I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on. You've been listening to it? This is not the same thing as reading a book. No, I mean, uh, I don't want to be too anti-audiobook here. I'm really not anti-audiobook. But I will say that I'll add to Sally's point. So, Sally, you mentioned that it, it, your brain processes it in a different way than reading. That's certainly true because you're listening rather than reading. The other thing that I think is fundamentally different about that dynamic is that um, there's another person involved in that conversation so there's there's the writer of the book and then there's the narrator and so Mm -hmm. the narrator is filtering the author's words through their own and there's basically like a three-person conversation going on whereas a book is much more dialogical because there's an author and a reader and you are not having that author's message filtered to you by someone who's reading the book to you Mm, that's interesting so that's what I would say. And then I would also just echo your point about how it's much easier, I think, for me at least, to tune out of an audiobook than it is to tune out of a, a, a visual reading book. Um, and so if I'm listening to an audiobook on a commute, I will digest much less of that, I think, than I would if I were actually to sit down with that book and read it in a dedicated time. Yeah, but I think that's not because it's not possible to digest all of it. I think I that's think true. You just have yes. to concentrate in a different way. Right. I think I came out guns blazing against audiobooks, <laughs> and my my opinion was much more moderate. I think. But. Yeah. Um, well, it's it sounded exciting. It is easier to multitask when you're listening to an audio. That is true. And I think if you're multitasking, then it probably doesn't count quite the same way as reading. Right. I mean. Driving, maybe if you're just driving and it doesn't really take that much effort, then or or you know sitting on a bus or something right. like that. But if I, if I were to be listening to an audiobook and doing kind of chores around the house or cooking or something, that's what I do when I listen to a podcast. I know that I'm not going to be able to give it the same amount of concentration as right. I would if I were sitting down reading the book. Yeah, that makes sense. That checks. Okay, final question here. This is a good one to end on, I think. So we've talked about on our podcast in this season the art of being human. What X has to do with being human. Some of these things, of course, are essential to being human. So, for example, food is essential to being human because without food, we die. Where does reading fall on that answer? Yes or no, is reading essential to being human? Okay, so we think no. (laughs) We would argue no, that it is not essential. It is not, it is neither necessary nor sufficient to being a fully human being. Right. But it's a good idea. Definitely. And I think the simplest reason why no is we would be saying that no illiterate person 
could be a fully could be a fully human being, and that's completely false. Right. Illiterate people can certainly be human beings. Right. Or someone who was poor and uneducated and didn't have access to books or right. education. Those people can still live truly human, flourishing lives. And I would actually posit that many of those people who find themselves in those situations today. Uh, without access to books or simply unable to read books because they don't know how. Have a better ability to flourish <laughs> yes. than we do. Yeah, and have a better understanding really of what it means to be a human being right. than, than we in our educated Western society do. Yeah, so, and we can imagine someone who just reads in their own kind of perspective and it right. it gives them less empathy. Well, I think of the ivory tower, right? right. I mean, does yeah. you know the people who sit in the ivory tower do nothing but read in their ivory tower all day? Uh, do they have a better understanding of what it means to be human than the person who is illiterate but working to feed their nine kids? Quite possibly not. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> I, would, I would venture to say not. So yes, certainly not necessary to be a human being, to have a flourishing human life. But also it can definitely not contribute to it. But it can contribute. And human beings should read because reading is good. It offers all these benefits. Hopefully we've swayed you. If we haven't, let us know. You can email us, Zach and Sally, at Vernacular Podcast. You can find us on Instagram and on Twitter, at Vernacular Pod. Let us know what you liked about this podcast. Let you know what you know Let us know what you think we missed. And other than that, I think we'll call it there. Yeah. Go read a book. Let us know what your Tell favorite book is. Tell us what you're reading. We will uh, we'll, we'll retweet those or post them on Instagram or mention them on the next podcast. So let us know what books have captured your interest lately, and we'll share them. And you can audience. see some things that we're reading on Instagram at Vernacular Pod. Yep. All right. I think that's it for us. So for Vernacular Podcast, I'm Zach. And I'm Sally. Have a great week. Feeling better than ever When I'm by your side